Parashas Kairach, <clears throat> we uh, all know the story that Kairach rebelled and he staged a rebellion against uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. He successfully incited some of the brightest and best of Klai Yisrael to join his cause. And there were two groups of people. There was Kairach and Adasai, the, the people who were in his camp. There included Dasan and Aviram and some other of the Bnei Ruvain and, the, and, and people who joined his cause. And then there was another group of people who were the 250 Rashi Sanhedrayas, 250 Tzadikim, the heads of Klai Yisrael, who also kind of joined in, but not exactly in the same way. They were just trying to get the position of Aaron Akayin. So they went and they were told to bring these pans, these machtois made out of copper with the katiris in it, and to bring it in front of Hashem and, and try to bring the katiris. And the end product was that they were all killed out, but in a very different way. They were killed out through burning. They, a fire came down and consumed them which was very different than what happened to Kairach. Kairach was swallowed up, him and his family and his children and his little children and all the people that were involved were swallowed up by the earth. <clears throat> now, Kairach's punishment was a fascinating punishment and it was a very unique historical punishment. It happened only once. It didn't ever happen before, never happened after, and so much so that the, the method of killing him required a special Bria, a special creation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, which was created during the last final moments of, of creation of Sheshesh Yimei Breshis by Ben Hashemashas just as it was turning night, as it was about to end Friday afternoon. Piaretz, the mouth of the land, was created so that it can swallow up Kairach. Fascinating thing, right? It was there are a multitude of punishments available out there. Kaddish Baruch Hu, so to speak, uh, Kibbe Yachl is very creative. He could have killed a Kairach in many, very many different ways, but this required a very special, unique punishment for Kairach. Now, what was the significance of it? And the, it would seem that the nature of the punishment that Kairach was swallowed by the earth and everybody who was with him was swallowed without a trace. Nothing was left of him. Not him, not his children. Some of his children survived, but the, the other, anyone who was associated with him got swallowed in. Everything they owned got swallowed in. Their houses to a pin. If they lent it to someone else, it got swallowed up there, swallowed by the earth, and they vanished, disappeared. They were erased. They were deleted. And it would seem that the point is that Terah doesn't want you to remember them. doesn't want you to remember anything associated with them. Terah doesn't want you to have anything to remember them by. Nothing should be left in this world that can give you any kind of, oh, that was Kairach's, not even that. Nothing. The Terah wants them to be totally forgotten, annihilated, deleted, zero, nothing, as if they never existed. There's an expression that throws something in a hole and then lose the hole, right? In other words, they were thrown into the, the earth, they're all swallowed, and then closed up, and it never existed. There was, it, it, the concept is bury it in a way that it will never be found again. That's what happened to Kairach, and apparently that's what Hashem wanted. Hashem wanted, don't remember them, don't remember what they did, don't remember the argument, gone. But yet, the, uh, the punishment of the other 250 people that got burnt up, Hashem then says a very interesting thing. He tells Elazar to collect all the 250 pans, the machtois, these copper pans that they used to do what was essentially a big avera to bring Kataris outside of the base of Mikdash, Hashem tells them collect all of, tells Elazar collect all of them, create a copper plate, and attach it to the mizbeach. It became part of the mizbeach, a copper plating. Why? The Yisrael. It should be a symbol for Klal Yisrael. It should be a It should something they can remember. What should they remember? Rashi says, These are the people that fought about the Kahuna of Israel when they were burnt up. So of these, the Torah wants us to remember. 
Kairach gets swallowed up without a trace. Nothing is left of him. Have him, his children, his, his possessions, everything. Whoever was with him swallowed up nothing. We don't want anything from him. But then the Torah, on the other hand, tells us to take the Machtais, put it on the Mizbeach in the holiest place. One of the holiest uh, ways of serving a Kaddish Baruch or bringing Karbanas on the Mizbeach was Zikaron. We do want to remember him. So do we want to forget or do we want to remember? What's, what is it the Torah wants from us? <clears throat> so perhaps the idea here, here is that we can utilize in our understanding how to debate and how to teach and how to react to Baal Machlaikis and how to react ourselves when we become embroiled in a Machlaikis. When the rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu was staged by Karach and Dasan and Aviram, all the points raised seemed to be patently false, outright lies, uh, fake news, as our previous president would have uh, said. Uh, to quote Rabbi Sachs on this one, he has a beautiful article about the Machlaikis of Karach and Adasa, but he says that first, Karach implies that uh, the establishment, Moshe and Aaron, are corrupt. Moshe has been guilty of nepotism, appointing uh, his own brother as the Kayan Gadol. He has kept the leadership roles all within his immediate family, right? Something which is patently false. There was absolutely no ulterior motive to Moshe Rabbeinu. And then the next, um, they, the people with Kairach mount this fake news campaign. And we see this from the things that Moshe Rabbeinu has to say. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, I haven't taken a single thing of theirs. I haven't even taken a donkey when I went to, to go to Mitzrayim. I haven't wronged any of them. So it's clearly if Moshe Rabbeinu has to say this to Hashem, that that's what they were saying about Moshe Rabbeinu. They were, they were accusing him of taking their money, taking their things, something which Moshe Rabbeinu never ever did. And the most blatant is the claim of Dasan and Avirim that they say, isn't it enough that you have taken us out of a land, Zavas Chalavadvash, meaning you took us out of Mitzrayim, which was the Eretz Zavas Chalavadvash, to kill us in the Midbar, and now you want to be Star Elena Gamma Star, you want to lord over us as well. So look what Dasan Aviram is saying that you took us out of Mitzrayim, it was just a wonderful place. It was Zavas Chalavadvash. Couldn't there be a more outright and blatant Latsanis being made of Maisha Rabbeinu, a mockery saying something so clearly false? And what, what the, the Torah is demonstrating to us is that this form of Machlaikis, which Rashi says, it was Litzanis. It was simply mocking Moshe Rabbeinu. There's no fighting with them. There's no arguing with them. There's no proving points. There's no debate. It doesn't help. Any proof you're going to bring will be somehow subverted and be brought against you. Any, the more you engage in the Machlaikis, the more you, you give them credibility. You look around at the kind of anti-Semitism that we're seeing now in, in uh, the people that are supporting the terrorists and the Palestinians and the, the Hamas, it, there's, there's no sense to it. And it, it like, it's funny to me when people make arguments and they try to employ logic it, with the media, with the press, and with social media to try to you know, argue the, the side. That's, it's, it's irrelevant. That's one thing the terrorists is teaching us here about Karech and Adasai. There's only one way to deal with this kind of approach, and that's to swallow it whole and erase it, delete it. There is no other way. There's no argument that's going to win. There's no logic that will prevail, because that's not the point. The sheker is the point here, not the truth. It's not even of interest to anybody. So the Torah says, you have that kind of machlekes, you have that kind of approach, there it's, it's, it's pointless to engage. The best mahalach is, as far as we're concerned, we can swallow anybody alive, but what we can do is we can ignore. And we can just try to detach ourselves as best we can, because engaging will only give it legitimacy that it doesn't deserve. But then 
that's the Torah says you do with Kairach and Adasik, nothing can be re- nothing can remain from them. But from the two hundred and fifty people, there's a different lesson to be learned. The two hundred and fifty people really meant Lashem Shemayim. They wanted to take Ayanakain's place, they wanted to serve a Baruch Hu. they had honest intentions, but they made a mistake. And the mistake that they made, the Torah then warns us against and gives us a mitzvah. After the Torah tells Allah Zarkain to put these these machtas, these pans, attach them to the Mizbeach, the Torah says it's a new mitzvah. It's one of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. Don't be like karach and Don't stick with machlokes. Don't keep to machlokes. Which means, as Mefarshim Malik Musar explained, I'd say that yeah, it could be they originally joined the fight. They joined it with pure intentions, but at some point it became very clear that it was wrong. And Rashi speaks that out. Rashi says they must have seen that there is no way this can make sense logically. Moshe Rabbeinu told them, "You're 250 people. One person's going to survive. That's it. You're not all 250 going to become the Kain Galil. At most, one person's going to survive." So Rashi says, "What went wrong? How could they take that risk?" That's chances of 249 to 1. Only one person surviving. Why are you going in, into it? And Rashi answers very simply, they were chatul and nafshaisim. That was their avera. Meaning to say, once you get embroiled in a machlekes, it's very hard to let it go. It's very hard to step back, even when you might know you're wrong, even when you might start seeing the ramifications of the machlaikis proving you wrong. Meaning to say, the machlaikis might have been for with good intentions. You're trying to change things. You're trying to make things better. You're taking up, uh, you're, you're decrying the position and the opinions and the approaches of the leadership, whether it's uh, Rabbanim, whether it's schools, whether it's organizations, whether it's shuls, and you're doing it l'shem shemaim. You want to make things better. You want to make things improve. But then you see either you come to the recognition that maybe it's wrong, or you see the fallout of the is kind of demonstrates that it's wrong, the destruction and the, the, the fighting and, and, and what it's causing is, just can't possibly be justified. At that point, that's where the terrorist says, look at these copper pans and take a step back and say, you know what, there is a point where Machlaikis has to be abandoned. And if you hold on to the machlekes at that point, that's the lesson that you're a machzik b'machlekes. You're sticking with the fight simply because it's just too hard to let go. And that's a lesson that the Torah needs us to remember as well. Well, Kairach and the people with him, they seem to revel in the machlekes. They seem, we don't understand, obviously, what who and Kairach were, but what's being demonstrated to us was that them, there's nothing to engage in, there's nothing to deal with, there's nothing to be learned. It needs to be forgotten. That's the approach you have to take with those kind of balamachlaikis that truth is not even of interest to them. That needs to be swallowed up into the earth and forgotten. But when we get ourselves into a machlaikis sometimes and we perhaps do have true and good intentions, we do have to be cognizant of the fact that there is a time and we constantly have to check ourselves to make sure that we're not just continuing because we started. And that, that, that at some point, a machlaikis sometimes demonstrates itself to be just a machlaikis and nothing more. And that's the point where we step back and remember what's on the Mizbeach. Yes, the intentions were pure. And for that reason, they merited being on the Mizbeach. But they didn't survive it because no one survives machlaikis when it's just held up for the sake of machlaikis itself. Have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.